Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Man, it's good to be here with you. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 says it this way. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And then it finishes off by saying great is his faithfulness. I don't know if y'all know this, but this is the 52nd Sunday of the year. And that means the Lord has been faithful. There has never been a time. Amen. We can thank God for God's faithfulness. There has never been a Sunday that we had to close the doors and there certainly has never been a Sunday where the word of God has not been proclaimed and Jesus has not been lifted up. So never take that for granted that we we have a free space that we can come into and worship uh, worship Jesus. He's been faithful. And one of the things I love about the faithfulness of God is he's faithful even when you're not. I need somebody that messed up a few days of the 365 days. 363 of them I was all right, but there was two. It was two that I wasn't okay, but God has remained. Even on those days, God remains faithful to us. And uh, the fact that you woke up this morning with a few days left of 2019 is proof of God's faithfulness. Because the reality is God did not owe you a day. If you got up this morning, it's sheer grace. It is sheer mercy because January 1, we shouldn't have made it. When, When the clock struck 12 midnight on January 1, we should have been dead. But we made it this far because of God's faithfulness. Well, listen, I'm eager to preach the word. We've been doing that for 52 Sundays, so let's do it again. Grab your Bibles. Meet me in the New Testament. I will be in the book of Luke. When you get to Luke, run to chapter 19. As you turn there, let me just give a quick uh, a quick announcement. By the way, it's so good to see so many of y'all. Uh, you know, y'all been traveling. I've been checking y'all out on Instagram. And, and some of y'all moved away. Madeline, it's good to see you. Dolores, Didi, and all. It's just good to see all of y'all uh, back here today. Hey, so listen, uh, January, we usually do a solemn assembly fast. Those of you who don't know what a solemn assembly fast is, it comes from Joel chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, Consecrate a fast and call, an as- call the assembly together. Call the elders and the inhabitants of the land. And then the Bible goes on to say, Come together and cry out to the Lord. And so we treat the first week as uh, as sacred to the Lord. We want to give him that really for two reasons. Number one, to reflect on how good God has been in the previous year, but also to set the rhythm for the new year. We usually do it the first full week of the year, but the dates are a little different uh, this year. So please mark this on your calendars. January 13th to January 17th, we will uh, be in our solemn assembly fast, which we typically fast from food. We have more instructions on what that looks like. Uh, For some of you that are on medications, please use wisdom with that. But we also fast from uh, social media browsing. We fast from from internet browsing unless it's work-related. And there's a schedule. There's usually a schedule that week that we try to adhere to because fasting is always easier when you do it with brothers and sisters. It's a lot more difficult when you're doing it by yourself. So all throughout the week, we'll have stuff going on. All right, let's get to it. We are in Luke 19. Why don't you pick me up in verse 1. It says, he, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd, he could not. 
because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house. Please circle this word today. So he hurried and came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. Verse eight, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to your house since he is also the son of Abraham. This is Jesus' mission statement right here. Verse 10, last one. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Pressing Reset. Pressing Reset. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we are um, back at it again this last Sunday of the year. You have never, ever, ever left us on a Sunday, oh God. And I pray, oh God, in this moment, oh God, I pray for your presence to be here. Not that you need an invite. Because David said it best, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, even there, you are there. There is not a place we can go that your presence is not. And so, Father, we're not inviting you to a space you're not in. We're inviting you in to enter into our hearts. Help us to experience you today. Pray that your word, oh God, will cut us deep. Thank you for those that don't know Jesus in here. I pray, oh God, that the word would impact them. And also pray for the believer that has known you and does know you. May we make a deeper recommitment back to you because of your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pressing reset. I don't know if you know this, but uh, if your device is malfunctioning, your, your cellular device, your laptop or whatever, and you take it to tech support, the first thing that tech support is going to do, the first tier of troubleshooting is to shut off the device. Because when you shut off the device, it allows the device a moment to declutter itself. When you shut off your device, it allows all of the pending errors to move out of the way and it clears the congestion. And just in case you still think I'm talking about devices as in your phone, I'm now talking about your life. It is when you are able to press reset that you can clear out some of the congestion. And here's the reality for many of you, 2019 has been a congested year. It's been a year full of distractions and a year that it can be summed up with chaos, but good news today is that you can press reset today. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, the greatest way you press reset is climbing up into a tree and seeing, getting a glimpse of the Savior. And if you have trusted in Jesus, but you've just made some bad decisions, you've trusted in Jesus and you've had some moral failures and broken relationships and uh, some unhealthy marriages and missed opportunities, you too can press reset today. How do I know? Because a man by the name of Zacchaeus gets the opportunity to start over. But not only does Luke talk about this, and if you look at Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you should write that verse down. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away and the new has come. That is pressing reset. And so today we're going to be introduced to a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is an interesting character. There's a lot about him if you read verse 2. Can y'all read scripture with me? In verse 1 it says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Here's the introduction to Zacchaeus. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. 
and was rich. I don't know if you've picked this up, but there's three description given in uh, three descriptions given about Zacchaeus in verse number two. Number one, it, it tells me that his name is Zacchaeus. This is interesting to me because whenever you read scripture, the scripture often doesn't give the character's name. It often uh, defines people by their physical condition or their occupation, not their name. Can, can I give you Bible here? In Luke chapter eight, it talks about a woman with the issue of blood. All we know is that she's had an issue for 12 long years. We do not get her name, but we know her physical condition. There, there, there's also a, a, also a place in Luke chapter 14 where it talks about a man with dropsy. Dro- dropsy is a physical condition where your body retains water. You don't know his name. You know him by his physical condition. Or what about the 10 lepers? Out of 10 lepers, you don't know any of their names, including the one that came back to say thank you. But we don't know their names. We know them by their physical ailments. It's also the same way with occupations. Talks about uh, the Philippian jailer in Luke 16. You don't know his name. You just know that he works at the prison. If, if you look at places like Genesis chapter 40, it talks about a cupbearer and a baker. You don't know their names. You know their occupation. But you and I this morning are privileged because we get let in on the character's name. In verse 2, it says Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus is an interesting name because Zacchaeus literally means pure, righteous, or innocent. Apparently, he had devout parents that believed that he would grow up. And, and follow the Lord and have moral integrity and character, but he was an epic failure because our boy Zacchaeus did not grow up and live a virtuous life. He grew up and became, the text says, the second description, a tax collector. I have no time to deal with tax collectors this week. If you were here last week, we went through the genealogy in the, in, in the first chapter of Matthew. We talked about Matthew being a tax collector, and I went through the whole thing of how tax collectors were hated for two reasons. Uh, y'all remember the two reasons? Number one, they were hated because they were inherently corrupt and they were thieves. They were supposed to take $20 and they would take 30 and give Rome 20 and they would pocket 10. And so they were hated. But they were also hated because of the, the, the fact that they were collecting taxes for the Roman regime or the Roman government. And so uh, as tax collectors were hated, but Zacchaeus is not a tax collector. Look at the chapter with me, the verse with me. It says he's a chief tax collector. In other words, he's the boss. He, he, he's what we would call an OG. He is ranked. He has tenure. He's the one that disciples the tax collectors on how to be corrupt. He is a godfather that keeps his hand clean of crime while keeping his hands dirty of money. And so you got to understand that the guy in the text isn't some regular old dude. He's the most notorious sinner in town. That the most notorious sinner in town is about to be impacted by Jesus. Watch this with one encounter. With one conversation, with one glimpse of the Savior, and his whole life was changed. We know that his name is Zacchaeus, which means pure and righteous. We know he wasn't pure because he was a tax collector. But finally, there's one more description about Zacchaeus. Look at verse 2. It ends and says, and he was rich. This statement alone tells me that you can be rich and still empty trying to fill a void that only Jesus can fill. How, how do I see? This is why I hate the prosperity gospel. The gospel that says you get Jesus plus stuff. The gospel that says that the more faith you have, the richer you should be. And if you're not rich, it's because you don't have faith. But that is a lie. The reason it's a lie, because Zacchaeus rich butt climbs up in the tree because he's still empty. 
Because even though he was rich financially, he realizes that he needed to fill that void. And there's only one person that can fill that void. Listen to me, y'all. Some of y'all are, and y'all are professionals. You know, y'all got great, great jobs. Y'all are, y'all are entrepreneurial. Y'all are eager. Y'all, are, y'all got degrees. But don't chase the bag if you're going to be void of Jesus. Don't, don't, don't be after money. Don't try to make it rain all the time. You know, but see, here's the reality. I'm not preaching poverty gospel either. Because that's just as dangerous. The poverty gospel that says you get Jesus, but don't fill your life with anything. The devil is a liar. You need balance. Here's what you need. You need to pursue Jesus as the ultimate fulfillment and chase the bag. And once you get the bag, bring it back to the church so we can spread love. See how I slipped that in there? If being rich made you closer to Jesus... Zacchaeus wouldn't have climbed up in a tree. He's still empty because you can be successful and lonely. You can be rich and depressed. And, and this is why this is why chasing the bag isn't is it. Let me let me explain something to you. If being rich was the 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 the, the sign that you had real faith in Jesus. Can we agree that Oprah is closer to Jesus than you? Can we agree that Oprah and Warren Buffett have a better relationship with the Lord than you? Being rich does not make you closer to Jesus. Being uh, being in love with Jesus is what you need. And many of us, unfortunately, in 2019, we've been too busy filling up our schedules trying to make money, trying to get new positions trying to get famous, trying to get on social media famous and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, you're empty. You you have a void that you need to fill. But the way that void is filled is when you climb up in a tree and you get a glimpse of the Savior. And so we're introduced to this guy named Zacchaeus. We know that he's a tax collector. We know that he is rich. Now that we have description on who he is, watch the situation. Verse three, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the tree, into the sycamore tree to see who Jesus was, for he was about to pass that way. I don't know if you've picked this up, but the the story just goes on that that there's this short man in stature. And in order to see Jesus, he didn't climb up in the tree so Jesus could see him. He climbed up in the tree so that he could see Jesus because he couldn't see him with the crowd all around him. And when he gets up in the tree, he finally gets a glimpse of his Savior. But don't miss the fact that a man of his, uh, of his status ran and climbed up in a tree. Do you know how embarrassing that is? And in the ancient Near East, men that had money, men that had wealth and men that had power didn't run and they certainly didn't climb up in trees. But what you get with Zacchaeus doing this is Zacchaeus felt that seeing Jesus was more important than maintaining his image. See, that's a real whole entire word for somebody in here, because unfortunately, you care more about your reputation than you do seeing Jesus. But if we can learn anything from Zacchaeus, what you need to learn is getting to Jesus sometimes means you have to be embarrassed. Getting to Jesus means sometimes you have to disappoint friends. Zacchaeus don't care nothing about his reputation. And and listen to me, you non-believers that maybe you're hearing you haven't trusted in Jesus. Don't allow family and your reputation with them to stop you from seeing Jesus today. Don't allow your co-workers, don't, I don't know what my girl going to say. Who cares what she says? You need Jesus. 
I don't think we realize our desperate need for Jesus. I don't think we realize how important it is for us to climb up into the tree. You need him today. This is also a word for you believers. The reason this is a word for you believers is because unfortunately, many of us have cut down the sycamore tree because we thought people were too far to actually see who Jesus was. And the way we cut down the sycamore tree is with our lives being inconsistent with our profession of faith. You looked at people and you said, that person is way too far. There's no way they can trust the Lord. And you say that as though you were close when he found you. Did you read verse 10? He came to seek and save the lost, not the found, not the one close. All of us in this room were extremely far from God. And the only thing that brought you near, Ephesians 2 says, was the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we need to stop looking at some of you started out in 2019 praying for somebody that, you know, doesn't know Jesus. You're a trifling boss. I know you feel like they real far, but that person can be saved. That that family member that you tired of bumping heads with, that person can be saved. How do I know? Because Zacchaeus is saved. Let me go deeper because you're saved. I need somebody that know you was trifling. Like I was, I was real, I was out there, I was cutthroat, but God saved me. And if he could save me, anybody got a chance. He saves the most notorious sinner in town. And I think, you know, some of you that don't know the Lord, I think the reason that we don't get to Jesus is because we don't feel like we need him because we're too busy trying to fix ourselves. It's going to be a new me in 2020. No, you need Jesus in 2020 and let him fix you. Not you try to work on yourself. Okay, let me go deeper. See, what happens is, see, what happens is when, when it comes to needing Jesus, many of us, we try to handle our sin and chip away at it as though you actually are doing something. The other day, uh, I had a leak in my faucet and Ty was at home. The boys were sleeping. I felt like a handyman that day. I went downstairs. I didn't need all the tools, but I put the tool belt on and I had to hammer. I had to drill. I didn't need all this. I just needed a wrench, but I wanted to walk around the house, feel like I was doing something. So I got up to the shower and I began to fix the leak and I got the leak fixed. And my fear for you is that you treat your sin the way I was fixing the shower. You think it's fixable, but you trying to fix your sin with the wrench is like going to the Niagara Falls and trying to stop up the Niagara Falls with the wrench. You can't do it. You don't got the skill set. You don't got the strength. You don't got the wisdom. You don't got the might. But I know somebody who does. I know somebody who's able to work on you and you don't have to work on yourself and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Jesus is there to seek and save the lost. And so Zacchaeus cares nothing about his reputation. He he knows that he needs Jesus. He knows he's in desperate need to fill the void that money couldn't fill. And so therefore he climbs up into a sycamore tree. But look what happens here in verse. Verse five. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, don't miss this, and said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house. Look at this word, today, not tomorrow. He's not promising Zacchaeus that he's going to come to his house once he's cleaned up the house. I don't know about y'all, but I hate unexpected guests. Like, don't show up at my house if you ain't text, you ain't called, and you ain't received confirmation that I'm ready for you to come over. Don't show up. Because you show up, I'm going to fool around and be butt naked and be like, hey, show up if you want to. And so then, some of y'all were like this. And, and so what happens, what happens is, 
What happens is when, when you show up at somebody's house that's not ready for you, if the house is dirty, y'all know what we do. We close all the doors. You're going to sit in the living room. Don't move anywhere else. I'll never forget. We used to live in, uh, in the outskirts of Philadelphia before planting the church, and we owned the house, and we put the house on the market, and we had a realtor that would come and show off the house to potential buyers, and Ty was at work one day, and I was home by myself, and I let the dishes pile up. I mean, they was pile all the way up. And uh, the realtor called and said, hey, I'm five minutes away. And I'm like, I'm not ready for him. So I did what every one of y'all jokers in here would have done. I took the dishes and I put them in the stove and I closed the stove. <laughs> closed it up, prayed that they wouldn't open that stove up. And they didn't, they didn't open the stove. But we treat Jesus like, like most of us treat unexpected guests. We, we treat Jesus like Jesus doesn't know the dishes are in the stove. Like he doesn't know what's behind the closed doors. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus ain't there to get into the house to embarrass you and to laugh at you. Jesus opens each door and starts to clean. Jesus opens the stove and takes out the dishes and starts to wash. The, it's called spiritual maturity. Over and over again, he opens a door and a new door. My prayer for you in 2020 is that every door would be open for Jesus that there would be no rooms that are off, there's no, no space in your heart that is off limit for Jesus. But every door is available for Jesus. And so the Bible says that Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. I'm not waiting for you to clean yourself up. See, what hinders some people from getting to Jesus is you feel like you got to clean yourself up to make yourself presentable. You feel like you're you, you going to have to, you know, you, you have to look a certain way and God, I got to have a prayer life before I can meet you. No, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of your sin, he said, I want you. In the midst of the turn up, he says, I want you. In the midst of you being out there and bugging, he says, I want you. He doesn't wait for Zacchaeus. Notice this. He doesn't even wait for Zacchaeus to make restitution. He doesn't, he doesn't say to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, before I can come to the house, you got to give back the money that you defrauded to people. No, verse five, he says, I want him like he is. In fact, he never asked him. Look at the text. He never asked him to give anything back. He gives it back not to be saved, but he gives it back because he is saved. And I know that salvation came to his house because verse five says, Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. But if you skip to verse eight, Jesus says, Salvation came to your house. Do you know how deep that is? That Jesus is saying, I'm not only one that brings salvation, I am salvation. Remember the story with, with Simeon in, in Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, when the Bible says that uh, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, and they brought him in. Simeon grabs baby Jesus. First of all, never do that. He grabs baby Jesus. And when he grabs baby Jesus, Simeon says, you may dismiss your servant because my eyes have seen your salvation. Not the one that brings it, but my eyes see what salvation really looks like. Jesus ain't only bringing it. He is salvation. And so Jesus says, I'm coming to your house in verse five. In other words, he's saying you're saved in verse five and you ain't did no works, which means you're not saved because you are changing. You're saved because he wants you like you are. And then you change. And when you mess up the, the order, when you have the, in your mind that you are saved because of behavior, you are no longer preaching the gospel. It's a whole nother gospel. And Paul will say in Galatians that that is no gospel. And some of you are trying to clean yourself up. Listen, you bring nothing to the table. 
boo-boo, you, you bring nothing. Like, if there's, there's nothing that you can offer Jesus, he's going to be like, wow, that completes me. No, he's completed in who he is. And so when he saves you, he saves you with the fact that you only brought sin to the table. You did not bring any goodness to Jesus. And so he wants, G- he wants Zacchaeus in verse 5. He says, today, notice the urgency. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not next week, not after you've given all the money back, not after you went home and cleaned the house. No, I want you today. Jesus brings salvation. One of the things I love about Jesus bringing salvation is he doesn't just bring it to the rich. See, if you just land in the text, if we parachute into Luke 19, we'll think that Jesus only comes to the elite. But if you go back a chapter and look at Luke 18, at the very end of Luke 18, Jesus doesn't save the richest person in Jericho, but the poorest. Bible says that there's a blind beggar there and the blind beggar is is waiting uh, 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 to be changed. And Jesus comes and he brings a miracle. In other words, Jesus meets you where you are, whether you're rich or poor. Jesus meets you whether you are a Democrat or Republican. He meets you whether you are gay or straight. He meets you whether you are black or white. He meets you whether you grew up in Sunday school or this is your first time in church. Jesus wants you how you are. And then he starts to change you and he starts to mold you and he starts to make you. The reset button isn't there for you to press it when you finally get it together. He wants you like you are. Look at your neighbor and say, he wants you just like you are. Breath stinking, hair over the place, dishes in the sink. He wants you like you are. Because if you clean yourself up before you bring yourself to Jesus which you can't do anyway, you'll start to take credit for change. But Jesus is like, I want you trifling because then you'll know that only, body, only person that could do a work like that is me. Yeah. Only one that can enter your life. And so verse number five says, when he came to the place, the Bible says he looked up. Jesus looked up. He says, Zacchaeus, come down for today. I must stay at your house. Watch what Zacchaeus does here. So he hurried and came down and he received him joyfully. And when, I have no time to deal with that, and when they saw it, they grumbled. He is going to be the guest of the man who is a sinner. See, this is what I love about Jesus. You know, I love Jesus because Jesus always, you know, his nickname is friend of sinners. That's his nickname. Like he, he often goes to the people that you and I often overlook. The people that, again, that we feel are too far, the people that we feel are disgusting, that sin is so disgusting, that might be you in here. Maybe that was your 2019. Maybe your 2019 could be summed up as disgusting. But Jesus often comes to that person. Again, look at verse 10. He came to seek and save that which is lost. So the Bible says here in verse number five, verse number six, verse number seven, that the people grumbled. You got to understand something about the grumblers, though. The grumblers are the people that watched Jesus do a work in your life. And they're waiting for you to go back on what you professed, because then they can say you're a hypocrite and Jesus is a liar. Do you realize that when you don't walk with the Lord consistently and faithfully, that you give other people an opportunity to defame the name of Jesus Christ? What if Zacchaeus the next day went back and collected taxes? What if he goes back and steals money and defrauds people after Jesus, after he had this amazing encounter? What if he goes back to his old life? What happens is they'll say Zacchaeus is a hypocrite 
And that Jesus thing really is nothing. And so you going, this is why 2020 is so important to you to remain consistent and faithful, which means you need accountability, which means you need people that fight with you and fight you. See, we get people in our lives that's going to agree with us. You need somebody in your life to say, you're whack. You still dealing with her? Still dealing with him? You, say, oh, you, you still in 2019. You haven't pressed reset even though you said you did. You need somebody that will fight you, that will push you to be better, push you to be more spiritually mature, push you to look like Jesus. That's what you need. And that's the one, that's the one goal for everybody in this room. Jesus wants you to look like his son, look like him. That's what he wants from your life. You, you think he wants your, your, your service he and your, your offering and your money. He, he doesn't just want that. He wants you to look like Jesus. He wants you to look more sacrificial. And so in 2020, you need more discipline. In 2020, you need that. Why do you need that? Because if you fall off the wagon in 2020, people will say, see, they profess faith in 2019, but they ain't really about that life. They, they not, they're not real. That, that Jesus thing will fizzle out. Why? Because his believers don't even believe what they believe. His believers don't have real faith. His believers aren't even walking. They profess one thing, but there's such a contradiction with their life. Your coworkers need to see you being serious about Jesus this year. Your family members need to see you because you give opportunity for the gospel to be witnessed, not just proclaimed. So the Bible says here that the grumblers are all grumbling and they're saying, I can't believe this. This this Jesus goes to the house of sinners which is typically what Jesus does. And Zacchaeus wants to show that his life has changed. And so he doesn't just do it by profession. He does it by acts of charity. Look at verse eight. Verse eight says, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I've defrauded anybody, uh, anyone or anything, I restore it fourfold. Don't miss how much money he's giving out right now. He's given up half of his goods, half of his money. Imagine you going emptying out half of your bank account. Not only that, but to take, ste- take it a step further, if I've defrauded you, if I took $10 from you, I've given you back 40 Did you see fourfold? It, he is putting his whole financial stability at risk right now because he's that impacted by Jesus. A man that was greedy is now gracious. A man that is greedy is now generous. He's giving out. See, this is this is real conversion. You know that you've been changed when the stuff that you used to do, you don't do no more. See, in 2019, I would have cussed you out. But 2020, I want the best for you. But be careful because there's still a few more days of 2019. And I didn't forget how to cuss. Some of y'all got saved and forgot. I didn't forget. I, I still got a few up my sleeve. But when Jesus impacts your life, he changes everything about you. He changes your value system. He never saved you with the intent that you would stay the same. He saved you knowing that you would change. He saved you, saved you knowing that you would be transformed. And when you press reset in 2019, go into 2020 different. And maybe your issue isn't Zacchaeus issue. Maybe your, your issue isn't theft or maybe your issue is lying. 2019, you have no time for lying. Maybe your issue is gossiping. Please leave that in 2020 because we don't have time to hear about you. I got too many issues of my own to hear about yours. 2020, let's leave gossiping in in, in 2019. Porn addictions. 
discipline. So some of you have drug addictions. What, what does it look like to be impacted by the gospel in such a way that the stuff that you used to love, you no longer have a taste for? But be careful. Get accountability around you because the enemy's tricky. He knows how to lure you back in and he lures you back into normally what you used to like. So you got to get people around you that's going to ask you. And this is important for you. So some of you, 2019 has been a promiscuous 2019. Tried different things. You was bored. Tried different people. 2020, you have no more time for that. I don't know why you're laughing on the left. <laughs> but just keep it. Pastor E taught me when stuff like that happened, just keep going. Just keep going. Listen, when change behavior, really, the Bible calls it fruit. That's what the Bible says. Are you bearing the fruit of the gospel? Are you doing what you have professed? Are you doing what you say that you believe in? That is exactly what Zacchaeus does. He says, I ain't got time to just profess it. I'm showing it. Everybody get it. He like Oprah. You get a car. You get a car. He just passing out money all over the place. And I love it because Jesus never told him to do it. And he's so generous. He doesn't just do it because, be, be, because he wants to impress Jesus. Notice something in Leviticus. It talks about if you defraud somebody, you give back one to two times. He gives back four. He doubles the amount that the law required. Why does he do that? Because he's so impacted and mesmerized and captivated by this man named Jesus. And so the Bible says here that Jesus says to him, listen, salvation is coming to your house. Verse nine, verse five, I'm coming to your house and he impacts his life and he transforms him and he changes him. I skipped over this and I still don't have time to preach it. But notice in verse six, it says that Zacchaeus received him joyfully. Do you know how many people need joy in this season? The week between Christmas and New Year's, there are more suicides than any other week. Any other week. People need joy. And the joy that Jesus brings, it pales in comparison to anything else. You'll never find anybody that can bring you. I, I know she brings you joy, bro, but you can't find joy like you can find in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus in the Bible, the Bible says stuff like in his presence is fullness of joy. You ain't experienced no fullness of joy until you got in the presence of your savior. There's somebody in this room. You've been struggling all year. In fact, in this sermon, you're like, is he talking to me? Yeah, God is talking to you. You're trying to you're trying to figure out how does he know God is talking to you today? I don't know your business. I know what you put on social media, but I don't, know your, I don't know what you don't put on social media. I don't know your thoughts. I don't know your motives, but God does. And he's here for you to press reset. For the one that doesn't know Jesus in here, listen, don't go in 2020 and not know who he is. Listen, if heaven wasn't promised, I still would trust Jesus. He's that good. If it was never promised, I would still trust in him. But the beauty is it is promised. And for those of you who have trusted in Jesus, maybe you need to recommit your life to him. You've been inconsistent. You've been enamored with the things of the world, the shiny objects that the world presents to you. You've been more in love with them. Climb up in the tree. See Jesus today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You need Jesus. I, I, I don't care if you... I've walked with him for a long time or if you don't know him, I need him today like I needed him when I first met him. 
You remember when you first met Jesus, those of you who know the Lord, remember how on fire you were? You were serious about serving. You were serious about growing. You were serious about reading your Bible. You were serious about prayer. You had discernment on who to cut off. Because y'all know we cut everybody off. But you had discernment on who wasn't good for you. You got in relationships. You were vulnerable. You shared the issues of your heart. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got back to that? Some of you are coasting. You've read enough. You've prayed enough. You know how to, how to do it. You know how to do this Jesus thing. And so you've now moved to a point of performing for Jesus instead of striving for him. You're trying to impress him. And all he wants is for you to get up in the tree. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I think you know. And I simply want to pray for you today. I want to pray for the person that doesn't know Jesus. This is our last service. We got time. T-I-M-E, time. If you don't know Jesus, don't go another day without knowing him. Listen, he will fill that void that's in your life. If you don't know him, would you give your life to him today? And for those of you who do know him, I want to pray for you too. Because the recommitment is so serious on your life right now. You've strayed long enough. You've been out there long enough. And some of y'all ain't go way out there. You just dibbled and dabbled. But Jesus wants all of you. He does not want to sit on your heart with another God sitting there. He wants to be the only one enthroned. If that's you, can, can we, can y'all do me a favor? Can y'all just come down to the altar? If you, you've trusted in Jesus, but...